The German soldiers were also homicidal, but they weren't crazy. Whereas the Japanese, always referred to as Japs, were completely out of their minds. They'd crash their planes on you and leap out of palm trees on your head and just generally swarm at you like some species of giant, suicidal, shrieking, sword-waving, spittle-emitting insect. Total whackmobiles. You could always tell when the Japanese were about to appear in the movie because brass instruments on the soundtrack would play an ominous oriental-sounding musical chord. A group of G.I.s would be walking through the jungle, nervous but still making spunky American wisecracks, and suddenly the soundtrack would go, and right away you knew there were Japs in the trees ready to pounce. Or a U.S. Navy ship would be motoring along, and the lookout would put his binoculars to his eyes and... There would be a Jap destroyer. Probably one of the major reasons why the Japanese lost the war is that the soundtrack kept giving them away. But they were tough. They fought like crazy, and they would do anything to win, including taunt the Americans in an unsportsmanlike fashion. Hey, G.I. Joe! From their jungled hiding places, if they captured one of our guys, their leader always turned out to have a UCLA education, which he then talk about ingratitude, turned against us. American, tell me the location of your headquarters. <laughs> I see you surprised. I speak English so well. The point is that my initial impression of the Japanese was not favorable. Fortunately, as I grew older, my intellectual horizons broadened, and I no longer received information about the outside world exclusively from television. I also started going to horror movies. From these, I learned that Japan was not just a weird foreign country that had tried to kill us. It was also a weird foreign country that was for some reason under almost constant attack by giant mutated creatures. Godzilla was the most famous one, of course, but there were also giant pterodactyls, spiders, etc., all of which regularly barged into Tokyo and committed acts of mass destruction. I imagine that eventually this became so commonplace the Japanese TV weathermen included it in their forecasts. Partly cloudy this afternoon, with a 60% chance that Tokyo will be reveled by giant radioactive worms. These movies always had a scene wherein the creature, striding through the streets, would knock over a crowded commuter train. It must have been hell being a Tokyo commuter in those days. You'd arrive at work two hours late, and you'd try to explain to your boss that your train had been flung into the harbor by an irate praying mantis the size of Belgium, and he'd say, what, again? My only other contact with Japan was through products made there, mostly cheap toys that my father would sometimes bring home to me. These did not survive long in the harsh environment of my room. I'd get a little friction motor car, and I'd rev it up to about 20,000 RPM and set it loose, and it would hit the wall and spring, disintegrate into dozens of tiny car parts. It would have been more efficient if my dad, instead of going to all the trouble of lugging these toys home, had just smashed them with a hammer right at the toy store. Back then, of course, we thought all Japanese products were cheap. Now, how could the Japanese make good products, what with all the time they spent fleeing from Godzilla? The suggestion that Japan could make real cars would have been laughable. Real cars were made here in America. Fords, Chevys. Plymouths, 
These were large chunks of Detroit iron, cars that had size, weight, and handling characteristics of aircraft carriers, but worse fuel efficiency, cars with huge engines and vast back seats that a person could get pregnant in without undue contortion and big round dashboard clocks that never worked. I think there was a quality control inspector at the end of every auto assembly line to check the clocks. If he found one that worked, he sent the car back. Back then, you formed a family loyalty to a brand of car. If your parents were Ford people, you were a Ford person, and every few years you traded your Ford in for another Ford. It was like religion. When I was a student at Pleasantville High School in the 60s, the major lunchtime activity for a large group of boys, the industrial arts students, or hoods for short, was to stand at a corner just off school property wearing tight black pants that stopped at mid.